0: you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here today. We want to talk to our visitors. Hospitality is a really big thing to us. We want to make sure you know that Um, your children can come forward for the children's sermon. They can go to a secure nursery Uh, after that. They can stay here. Um, You can be loud. We want you here. We want you and your children here. Um, We have um, restaurants in the back. We have copies of the sermon if you like to follow along with the sermon. If you like to track it, I'm a baseball fan. I love to track everything that happens in the game. And if you're that kind of person, we have the um, sermon in the back for you if you you like. We had an exploring membership class this morning at 10 a.m. If you missed it, we do it every first Sunday morning. And anywhere from I'm visiting today... I joined just a little while ago. That whole spectrum, we'd like you to come so that you see other friendly faces. One of the great aspects of this church is the layers, the generations of families that have continued to come. Um, But we also want people who are brand new to the community, brand new to this church to get to know one another and get to know our families. In terms of worship, the contemporary band concert is coming up. It was canceled due to foul weather, but it's going to be on March 19th at 7.30 in the FLC. They have worked very hard To put together a great service, and that will be on March 19th in the FLC. Um, In terms of mission and service, I'm in Leadership Greer Class 36. At the end of the year, you talk about a project for the community. Our project is threefold. We are going to um, give Greer Relief a walk-in refrigerator. The refrigerator gives them the opportunity to have perishable items rather than canned goods. Canned goods are amazing, but perishable food is uh, healthier and they're able to store more and have far more storage for food. Uh, We're giving Greer Community Ministries a warming oven like we have in our kitchen, you know, with all the trays that keeps, keeps food warm before we send it out. And Loaves and Fishes is a group that gathers food at the last minute at restaurants or grocery stores before it goes bad and makes sure it gets in the hands of people who need it the most. And one great way to do that is um, with bags that uh, control the temperature. And so our class is sponsoring those three things. And each member of our class is called to reach out to the contacts that they have in the community and ask them to contribute to that project. I'm brand new to the community, so my, my contacts are limited outside the walls. I'm, I'm meeting people, but inside the wall I said I know a good bit of people so if you would like to help me in that effort it would mean a great deal to me um, for our church to have a great representation towards that if you'll simply note um, on the offering that you were doing that and um, I can tell them that I'm helping with the project, that would mean a lot to me. Photo directory is continuing this week. I love seeing families coming in to take pictures. There's there's very good, and then there's uh, one person struggling, and then our whole crew is having a tough time today, but we're going to see if we can put it together for the picture. Um, I actually one time did it with Caroline was four days old and we came and we took pictures for the photo directory that was um, we fought it that day and you can tell in the picture but people had a picture of us it's a big deal that y'all are taking pictures and i'm grateful that y'all are doing it Um, something that's on the side of that if you are in a sunday school class that meets in the family life center adam is going to take your sunday school class picture next sunday so get as many people as you can to be there to get a great picture if your sunday school class meets in the education building Adam is going to take your picture the next Sunday, which is the 20th. Um, so, FLC classes, make sure you have everybody you can next Sunday. Education classes, the following Sunday. Um, so we make sure we can get pictures. Easter lilies are a great part of the worship service, and uh, this is your last day to, do, to um, purchase Easter lilies. Make sure you do that. And um, I'm going to call on Leanna to give you one announcement. While Leanna comes, I'm going to tell you our good news of the week. Um, How many of you have ever wondered if you had a responsibility on Sunday morning, on Saturday night? You go, "Uh, wait, am I supposed to do something? Who can I call? I'm going to text the person in charge and maybe try to get them. We are working on a list that we can print out, but also will be digital. For those of you who don't like digital, we're going to have a printed out list. But for those of you who love digital, like me, the entire Sunday morning volunteer schedule for the entire year all in one Excel sheet that you can reference. This is also an effort to spread our leadership out so that we're not asking you to do too much and also an effort not to have you doing 9 a.m. snacks and counting money after 11. Trying to really balance what you're doing, how you're doing it, and knowing that you're doing it. This is a major effort that we're taking on this year.
1: Good morning. I'm Leanna Morris. I'm the interim children's director here at Memorial and I just had a quick announcement about Easter. Our Easter egg hunt will be the Saturday before Easter, March 26th at 10 a.m. So come join us to hunt lots of eggs and have some snacks and do some crafts. And in preparation for that, I have a basket in the back of the narthex and there'll be one in the gym on Sunday mornings as well as one in the church office throughout the week. If you would like to do donate. Donate bags of candy for the egg hunt so that the kids can get their goodie bags at the end. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leanna. That's got to be enough for you to absorb. Thank you for listening. Let's begin our worship service. Sing. Please stand for our opening hymn, number 723. typically have our children's sermon in this spot except for communion Sundays, so it's time for our first scripture reading.
1: Our scripture reading today is from the 22nd Psalm, verses 1 through 5. Our scripture reading can be found on page 860 of your Pew Bible. And the psalmist stated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? O oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and am not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather this morning, we turn to you for understanding, for wisdom, for care, for comfort, for love, for inspiration. We are so grateful for the people that brought these texts to us, for the people that composed these hymns, for the ability to gather together and worship you. And as we read the painful words of Psalm 22 and the painful words of Jesus in His lonely moments, help us, Lord, to understand that He understands where we are. As significant as that is, help us also to understand where Jesus was. What it meant for him in that moment to be there, to stay there, to become vulnerable to those people. And in so doing, help us to understand the hymn that he sings, the love that he shares, the purpose that we have in this season. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father... Now time for our tithes and other offerings, and if you'll pass the attendance sheet to the outside of your pew. If you would like us visitors to contact you, uh, please note any form of contact that you would like and we'll use it. Please be seated. Kristen, we're so grateful to have you here today. Thank you. We continue today in our series of words from the cross, things Jesus said in his final moments with his final breath, the last things that he wanted to say to humanity as a human. And today we talk about, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, as you heard in Psalm 22. And we start with Mark 15, verse 29, which is found on page 1583 in your Pew Bible. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see him and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd like to read along, I encourage you to keep it. There'll be one more section. The first phrase I notice when you're reading this text is um, just passing by. And it made me wonder what negative things we are capable of when we just casually observe spent a better part of the day yesterday with family in downtown Greenville walking the length of Main Street and seeing all sorts of people. And as you're walking down Main Street, you see different businesses, you see different people, you see different situations going on, and uh, you have no uh, uh, in many cases, nothing stopping you from just commenting on what you see. You go, oh that thing's pretty. Oh that thing's dumb. Oh, I don't know if i do what that person's doing. You just see it you've thought about it for a grand total of three or four seconds and you summarize it and comment on it giving the authoritative word on this moment what are you capable of when you do that when you're driving by something when you're walking by someone when you're going by an event you're not engaged in that event One of the worst instances I see of this is at annual conference. This is a gathering of ministers and laity from every United Methodist church in our state all in one place for four days to worship together, to ordain new clergy, to um, talk about all kinds of administrative things. And there's always a group, there's usually three or four instances of this, a group that has poured uh, years into deciding something, pitching something, organizing something because last year someone asked them to do that this group has poured a year of their life into this and there are people in the crowd that have a thick folder of the report of this committee and they have read a little bit of it and they thought about it for how long three four minutes and they call and they want to go to microphone four and they go to microphone four and they say I don't know I don't know if we should do this in my grand total of thinking about it for 35, 36, 37 seconds. This doesn't seem the thing that we should do. This is a passerby. This is a person that's thought about it in very little time. Now, I give people credit if they have put the homework in. But in so many cases, you see a group of people that have poured their heart into something and a passerby has a take on it. And it breaks their heart. Another example. The temple. Jesus used metaphors all the time. And sometimes they helped, and sometimes they were confusing. And when those people passing by recalled the fact that Jesus said, this temple is not everything, and in three days it will be raised once it's broken down. The people saw this amazing, beautiful structure, the structure that's no longer there today because it was destroyed. There's a mosque there now in that exact spot. And they said, that beautiful place not only is powerful, it exudes power, it's also where God lives. Jesus walking by that one day with his disciples said, well, you know, it's, a, it's an avenue to God, but it's not everything. And one day that temple will be destroyed, and in three days later it will rise again. That didn't make any sense to the people. No sense at all that he was actually talking about himself as the vessel through which people would reach God. And these passerbys are judging Jesus, saying, well, I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. And these confusing and profound images are tough for people to understand. But the most hateful, the most hurtful, the most misguided thing that they say is, well, if he was so powerful, he'd just save himself. Why wouldn't he say to himself, if he had so much power, if he had so much authority, if he knew so much of what he was doing, just save yourself? You know why they think that? Because humans are deeply accustomed to the powerful doing whatever they need to do to remain powerful. Whether that be lying or cheating or stealing or harming someone, whatever, I, you know, I've got this position. I need to keep this position. I don't care what it takes. There's a show coming on tonight. It's going to be the next, uh, I think it's the next six Sundays. It's produced by Kevin Spacey and another uh, individual that produced that House of Cards show. And it's the six most vicious presidential elections and the two parties that were in each one. Now, in some ways it would be painful, but to me, and some of you are like, why would you watch that? Uh, Well, I'm interested in politics, and I was a history major. You know, those two things merge together. And when you watch those shows, you'll see people who want something so desperately and have enough power that they'll do whatever they need to do to get whatever they want. So why wouldn't we think that the person who's supposed to be the king of kings get himself down but there's not one example not one in the gospels where jesus when his position of power said well i'm going to abuse that power i'm going to take a little bit more power in fact when he was tempted out in the desert he's out there for 40 days fasting i asked the confirmants three weeks ago how long y'all gone without eating combined we had gone about two meals One day I I couldn't eat till like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I couldn't eat lunch till 3. It was brutal. Right? I was grumpy. I needed a snack. 40 days. 40 days he sacrificed. And at the end of 40 days of fasting, he's offered by the devil in the story escalating elements of leadership and authority. All you got to do, all you have to do is say that I'm the man. And I'll give you everything you see. You see it? I'll give it to all. I'll give it all to you. Jesus could have stayed in Galilee. You know how beautiful Galilee is. Picture the most beautiful lake you've seen with the most beautiful mountains around it, and expand it a little bit, and add this story to it, and go out on a boat. And it's just—I mean—it is unbelievable, Galilee. And people think somewhere around 85% of the Gospels happen in and around Galilee, around that water. He could have stayed up there. He could have built a huge church up there. He could have had people coming for miles. And what all of us ministers say, well, um, how big is your church? How many people coming? That sort of thing. Could have exploded he said, every time somebody said, we need to make you king, we need to make you the authority, we need to build something here, we need to stop right now. We need to be in close proximity to my house so that I can have all this amazing stuff. And also, I want to be in charge. And can I sit by you? And all that. Jesus said, mm, we got to go to Jerusalem. And when we go to Jerusalem, nobody's going to like it. And when I say what I need to say, it's not going to end well. And, of course, the people involved in his life say, please don't do that. Please don't say that. Please don't make us do that. Never once did he think about self-preservation. And so those passers-by making mild comments about the temple that they don't understand and about self-sacrifice that they don't understand in some ways represent us when we pass by. We, we don't give it our full attention when we allow things to happen because we're not intervening. Verse 33 says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Some ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. Now I know it's a communion Sunday. I know we don't have much time. But if you're thinking about Elijah, you're thinking about a person who took on the prophets of the king who was influenced by his new spouse. And those prophets weren't even close to God. They were going completely away from God. And out in a wide open field, he challenged them to a prophet duel. Not only did he win in a big way, but he eliminated all those prophets as well. You talk about victory. You know what humans can get behind? Winning. Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is not commanding them to stop, he is not taking them out with strong military force, is instead walking into the heart of it without very much. And so these people think what on earth are you talking about Elijah for? Elijah, let's let's see see if Elijah comes and helps you. Because you certainly can't help yourself. This is something great in the book that we're reading for this series that I saw. Reverend Hamilton said, he said, It has been said that in the trial and crucifixion of Jesus, it was not Jesus who was on trial, but humanity. So if our actions in that moment were on trial, how would we do? best, we were passing by. At worst, we were cheering that it happened. And it's, it's real important to say we and not those people that were there and say, golly, those people are clueless. We get it. We were there. We would have struggled with it because the other side was winning and because people tend to do what a crowd's doing. They tend to say what a crowd is saying. They tend to allow what is happening that a crowd is allowing to happen. And in that moment, Jesus said those words. Now on the one hand, this is Jesus being fully human and understanding what it's like to experience this pain, to feel it in His hands, to feel how hard it is to breathe, to to feel His life escaping Him. On the other hand, Jesus is quoting a psalm. Psalm 22. The Psalms are important to us as we read them with the emotions of the people and the, uh, how they can inform the worship service that we have. But why were they important to them? It's their hymn book. These are the songs that they sing. This is one of the more confusing aspects in Confirmation as well. Trying to tell them the Psalms are the songs of the people. Reverend Hamilton said, what if you imagined instead of Jesus saying what he said in Psalm 22, which would be their hymn book, what if Jesus were on that cross and he began to sing Amazing Grace? What would that mean to us? That would resonate with us, wouldn't it? It's a song that we've sung in great joy in worship. It's a song that we've sung in great sadness in memorial services. It's a song that we've sung when we've experienced great pain And great joy. And that song is defiant. It's defiant of everything that is surrounding Him. And it shows how critical it is for us to sing. How critical it is for us to notice the words. How critical it is for us to be engaged. Now, if you... um, If you were able to get the tapes, all the digital tapes of all those worship services I've ever participated in, especially as an associate, where I'm sort of over in the corner, you're kind of the point guard, but you're not shooting the ball. And all the times that we are singing a song. Fortunately, the person running the soundboard has muted it when I'm singing that song. Number one. Due to the skill set that I have. But number two, you just can't help it sometimes as a minister or as the um, liturgist, but think about the next thing that's coming. And when you're thinking about the next thing that's coming, if you listen to the sound, it'd be. <laughs> it, you're not singing as hard as you can because you're not focused as much as you should be, and you're not noticing the words. Notice the songs that we sing. Notice the lyrics that are a part of them. Notice the defiant nature of the text that we read, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray in this season because they're important. It's important to not simply pass by this season and say, wow, that was dark. Can we just get to Easter where we have the kids and the lilies? But to understand, as human beings, we are participating. We are walking by. We are making sure that Jesus knows his place on that cross. That's what human beings do. But if we're truly engaged, if we're understanding the brokenness, if we're understanding that Jesus was not self serving and that we are called to be the exact same way to give our lives, then we're participating in this Lenten season as we should. We are understanding where he was, we are understanding where he was going. And we understand where we must go as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to take your hymnals out and turn to page 12. I'm going to ask Reverend Dennis Lee to join me. We had an excellent breakfast last week with all of our clergy that are part of our church. We have nine clergy. And Dennis is one of our nine, and I'll give you two fun facts about him. He was a district superintendent of Spartanburg just recently, just on the other side of Lyon Street, and has participated in the process that's going on now of figuring out faithfully and prayerfully where people are going and what churches they are going. That is beyond stressful, as I understand. He also, like Fred, has made the journey from the black robe to the white robe. Not many of us, very few of us can do that. And I'm grateful for his uh, participating in our service. If you look at page 12 of our invitation. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Every worship service, regardless of the style, requires repentance. We have to acknowledge the ways in which we've fallen short. But every worship service, regardless of the style, also has forgiveness. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. If you'll turn to one another, just you can remain seated and say, Peace be with you as a sign of this forgiveness and reconciliation. And turn to page thirteen with the Great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to You, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so, with Your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise Your name and join their unending hymn.
2: Holy, 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 Lord, God,
0: our God, our God. holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet. Through Your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, in Your holy church, all honor and glory is Yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Come forward. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We kneel. You come forward and you kneel. Our ushers will guide you to the outside, and you'll stand at the corner, the next group that comes. We want you to be aware that at each corner, we have gluten-free elements. If you need them, make sure that you grab them on the way. And if you're at the front of the corner, if you'll come here, so that you can lead your group back towards the center aisle and back. Um, if you are unable to kneel, don't worry about it. You can stand. If you're unable to come forward, don't worry about it. We will come to you. If you do not want to come forward, certainly—that that is certainly your right, but you are welcome to do so. Welcome to come forward and participate in this holy meal. I'm going to call the choir to come first. the opportunity to participate in your meal. That you've granted us grace in the, face of merc- in the face of merciless merciless pain. That you've granted us opportunity when we failed you before. That you call us to a new and higher level in this season and offer us a new covenant. Lord, we pledge to participate in that covenant outside the confines of this service with our actions and our words. Amen. Please stand and join me in our final hymn, number 301. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to having you Palm Sunday. Thank you so much for participating in this service, for becoming aware, for not passing by, for noting what Jesus did and what that means for us and what we will do and what that means to Him. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.